This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. In The One Thing, Gary Keller and Jay Papazan write about the three commitments. The three commitments you must make if you want to live a life of extraordinary results. Those three commitments are first and foremost, following the path of mastery. Realizing that mastery is a journey you go on, not a destination you arrive at. Constantly looking at, hey, where am I doing well and where do I have an opportunity to get even better? Following that path of mastery. The second commitment is moving from E to P. Moving from being entrepreneurial, doing what comes naturally to being purposeful. Recognizing that if we just rely on our natural abilities, we will always hit a ceiling of achievement. And the way we shatter that ceiling and achieve even more is by getting purposeful, by following proven models and systems for higher levels of performance. So we follow the path of mastery, we get purposeful, and finally, we live the accountability cycle. When things do not go our way, when life happens, we look in the mirror and ask, what's one thing I can do? The person you're gonna meet today is a person who has been living those three commitments. Oftentimes we will bring somebody on who's already living the one thing and showing the results that they got. And this is a vulnerable take on how one person who is a big thinker, a goal setter, has gone on a path of of living those three commitments and figuring out how to bring his significant other along the path. Many of you who are interested in real estate investing probably listen to the Bigger Pockets podcast. The person you are going to hear today is the co-host of that show, Brandon Turner. Here's the 20% ideas we want you to listen for in this episode that we think bring 80% of the value. Listen for the impact that this person's identity has had in how they set and achieve their goals. How has their identity played a role? The second thing we want you to listen to is the importance of having the relationship with the goals. What happens when you don't have the relationship and what happens with you do? Third is, what happens when things change? How does asking the focusing question of what's the one thing I can do actually serve you in those times? And the fourth thing we want you to listen for is how going small can actually help you go really big over the long run. With that, let's get into this episode with the co-host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, Brandon Turner. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Brandon Turner, I am so excited to have you on the One Thing Podcast, my friend. Dude, this is a dream come true. Not even being sarcastic. This is like literally... 
This is a dream come true. This is awesome. Tell me more. Uh, I, I, let me just tell you. A long time ago, you were on the Bigger Pockets podcast. Long like two, time ago. Like two weeks like, ago. Like two weeks ago. <laughs> and uh, we got to learn a lot about you. But the whole time I'm thinking, man, I just want to talk about me. And so today, <laughs> we get to talk about me all day. See, it's a dream come true. This is, this is great. Um, when, when the episode did come out on Bigger Pockets, I realized it was um, serendipitous because it was episode 411, which the 411 is the tool that we used to have clarity on our priorities. And yeah, I had no yeah. idea that it was going to line up that way. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, well, you know, God, God is actually a big supporter of the Bigger Pockets podcast. He aligns things like that. He, he likes what we're doing. So you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so I, got for, a, I got a direct line to the big guy. He, he arranges that. Yeah. We had uh, your co-host, David Green, on a little over a month ago. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh. <laughs> he, he, did, he, did, he did good. It was, it was episode 271. Yes. Yeah, for those of you who want to go back and listen to that. But... I, I'm curious for people who do not know what Bigger Pockets is, how would you describe it? Bigger Pockets is the largest, I'd say, real estate investing community. And people are like, well, what, what is a real estate investing community? It's like, it's a website, there's a forum, there's a blog, there's a podcast, there's YouTube, there's everything you can do on the internet pretty much, except for TikTok. We don't have that yet. Uh, I might, you know, I might get into the TikTok game soon, do some dancing, but it's all this stuff. About real estate investing, and it's all designed to help people become a better real estate investor. So I think we have a couple million people every month on the site. Podcast has I don't know 100 million downloads, something crazy like that. And uh, yeah, I mean I I'm like a product of Bigger Pockets. Best way to explain what Bigger Pockets is is I like I was like born and raised through Bigger Pockets, and I use the site in every single aspect to become a real estate investor. So yeah, that's what it is. Well, let's let's talk about that because the. the... Today, we're talking about your relationship with goal setting and also doing it with your wife. But I'm, I'm curious, take us back to pre Burger Pockets, bring us back to the Coldstone Creamery days. <laughs> yeah, Coldstone Creamery. Uh, thank you for your dollar. Listen to us holler. That's what we'd have to sing that and other songs when we got tipped. That was, uh, that was kind of the Coldstone thing. I don't know if they still do that. Have you been to a Coldstone recently? I have not, but you're making me hungry. Okay, Coldstone Creamery, best ice cream in the world. And, uh, I gained like 40 pounds that year. Not even kidding. This is, I was 20 years old uh, working at Cold Stone. Got a free ice cream every time I worked. I worked five or six days a week. So, hey, it was awesome. And by free ice cream, it was like your coworker made it for you. So it was like, you know, like bucket of ice cream, which was great. Uh, anyway, so during that time, I realized that that didn't sound like an incredible life, working my whole life to do that. So I was like, all right, I got to figure something else out. So I thought I would go to law school. So I started uh, studying for law school. And I, I took the LSAT, that big test that you have to take to get in. And then I realized I wasn't very smart. And I decided that law school probably wouldn't be a good idea for me. And so I, at the same time, I started watching those flipping TV shows. Remember those shows that were like, there was like 500 of them back in like 2006 oh, yeah. and seven. Yeah. And there still are a bunch on, but it was real big back then. And I was like, wow, people buy houses and then they fix them up and then they sell them. That's really cool. And I decided to jump in. And so I, that combined with the fact that I just had nowhere to live and I needed a place to live. So I bought a house, I fixed it up, and then I sold it. And I made like 20 grand. And I was like, I am the richest person I know. Like, I'm the richest person there is. And I had my 20 grand and I thought I was set for life. And that lasted about 12 minutes until I got married. <laughs> and I spent, spent all of it on the wedding and then some. And uh, yeah, from there, I just kind of got bit by the bug, decided, yeah, I turned away from the law ambitions and said, I'm going to be a successful real estate investor, bought a duplex. Uh, true story about the duplex, actually. So I bought this duplex. It's actually two houses on one lot. 
I lived in the back house in an alleyway, literally like in this dirty alleyway. Uh, cars would drive by not six inches from my bedroom window, like they're, you know, they're, they're mirror on the side of their car, like just scraping by my house. Uh, and the front house rented out to a buddy of mine. Later, he got arrested and it was, it was weird. And then I learned kind of how to be a landlord and don't rent to your buddies who are going to get arrested. Uh, and I learned how to do this. And then we moved out a few years later blah, or a year later, blah, blah, blah. But a couple of years after that, we, we, our tenant who was living in the front house, again, there's two houses, kept saying that people were taking pictures of the house. And I was like, like the city must be reappraising or the county must be you know, assessing it or the value or something going on. I don't know. Uh, and it just kept happening over every few months. There'd be new pictures, people taking pictures of the house. And then finally, we realized what it was when uh, the tenant told me that some Swedish tourists knocked on the door and they wanted a tour of the Kurt Cobain house. And so true story, that house actually was Kurt Cobain's childhood home. It's where he lived when he was just a baby, the first two years of his life. And so uh, he actually lived in both both little houses on that property. They moved from the back one to the front one. So I'm probably the only person on earth who can say they own two of Kurt Cobain's former houses. Did that, that help gives, you with equity? Yeah, it gives me absolutely nothing but a great story to tell on podcasts. So there you go. That there you adds, go. It gives me nothing but that. So fast forward, I want people to understand, you know, you start out singing yeah. for tips at Cold Stone. Mm-hmm. You, you start investing in real estate. What does your portfolio look like today? Uh, yeah. So today we have a, we're, we either own or will own in the next month because we're closing on like four big properties in the few, next few days, about $40 million of real estate. And that's going to be... We're at like 900 units right now. We should be at about 1400 here by the end of the year. Uh, if all those things close that we think we're going to close. So yeah, it's it's been a ramp up. But what's funny is like I, I, even, I kept it. I wish I would have brought it today, but it's in a box somewhere. But when I was working at Cold Stone... Uh, and I was just getting into real estate. I bought that very first house. I actually switched from Cold Stone to work at like a group home for developmentally disabled adults. So I worked overnight shift uh, mm-hmm. there. Anyway, and I was I actually wrote down like a ten year plan to like become a millionaire. Like I sat there and wrote down, and it was like literally like I if I bought this house, and you know next year it's worth this much, and then it's worth this much, and then this month, and the, the next year I did this, and I didn't follow that plan at all. Uh, but I blew that plan out of the water in terms of like uh, growth, which is interesting that like. It's like that quote, I think Eisenhower said it, but I might be butchering that. Maybe it was Truman. It was somebody who said, planning, plans are worthless, but planning is everything. Hmm. And I've always, I've always really loved that. It's like, yeah, your plans are going to change like continually. Like I have a vision for my business. It's not going to be perfect. Things change. The world changes. COVID hits. Elections happen. Policies change. But the, just the act of planning is, is, so important. And so even back then when my plan didn't work out perfectly, I mean, it, you know, it, the basics are there, right? I bought property, they went up in value. I paid those mortgages off over time. But yeah, planning, it's everything. So yeah. I've always been a planner, a goal setter, a, that kind of guy. So the, the thing that I want, the, where we're going to focus today is not how you had the relationship with your goals going from being 21 and working at Cold Stone to now where you are 35 years old with yeah. this type of portfolio. I'm curious about what it's looked like with your relationship with you and your wife. Because mm, you are yep. a goal setter. You are a big thinker. Talk yep. to us about your wife. Yeah. <laughs> this actually relates back to that same time period. So I show my wife this document, right? And I'm like, honey, look, look at how powerful real estate investing is. Like, if we just buy property and over time they go up. Now, remember, this is 2007, 2008, 2009, <laughs> like in this period. And real estate is like the worst idea in the world for everybody. Because, like, the market is just in free fall. No one knows where the bottom is. And I'm like super excited about this. I'm like, we could just, just look, at all, look at all the powerful... Uh, whatever. And she's just like, no, like this doesn't make any sense to me. 
it's dangerous. Like everyone has an uncle. Like everyone has an uncle who lost their shirt in real estate at some point. I feel like that's just a common theme. So like everyone has like, ah, real estate's kind of scammy and not doesn't really work and it's it's risky, right? So she wasn't really on board the train yet. Uh, and I knew that I needed her on board. I didn't need her in the business, which actually happened later, but I needed her support. I'm a big believer that like you need to at least have your other have support, uh, if not their involvement. Mm. Uh, they, she needed to understand the mindset that I was in, or else we'd be just constantly fighting. Um, at the time, I didn't know about like goal setting retreats, and I didn't even know what how the goal setting was, other than just that it's good to have plans and and you know visions for the future. So. Here's how I got her. Here's how I got her in the the same mindset as me. Uh, today, I like to say that mindset is changed by the media. So media changes mindset almost more than anything else. Example: I wanted to eat healthier. I really wanted to eat healthier. I knew that I wasn't eating kind of crappy, and I was eating a lot of junk food, and I was eating a lot of meat, a lot of red meat. And I was like, you know what? I think people who eat a lot of vegetables and vegetarians and vegans are probably healthier than what I was doing. Now, I'm not saying veganism is like the end all be all. I'm not saying you have to be veganism, but or vegan. But I wanted to eat more, more like a vegan. Uh, and so I just watched like three documentaries on Netflix about veganism. I forced myself to watch them. Uh, and guess what? I instantly like started feeling more like eating vegetables, and I my mindset changed. Now I'm not vegan today, but I eat about 90% that way because my mindset had to change first uh, before I was going to let my actions change. So actions, I think, follow the mindset, right? Mm -hmm. So let's go back to Heather. I knew that I needed to get her on board. So the way that I got fired up was from a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, right? Rich Dad, Poor Dad is like... It's not even about real estate. Though everybody... We've interviewed 400 people on our podcast, maybe 370 or something like that because we've had some repeats. But we've interviewed like 370 people. No, you would at least 411. Okay, maybe 411. Well, <laughs> so we've interviewed all these people, right? I would guess 80 to 90% of them who are millionaire... Most of them millionaire real estate investors listed Rich Dad, Poor Dad as the book that changed their life. That like that was a turning point. So whatever it is about that book, it changes people's mentality, it changes their mindset. And I don't even think they talk about real estate in the book, hardly at all. Like maybe a few casual mentions. So something about that. It happened for me. It put words to like this like groaning in my spirit. You know, like I knew there was more to life than getting in a, a car that I had this massive loan on, drive to work for an hour, sit in traffic, get angry, get there. And then, like, have a job you hated, stare at the clock all day. At the end of the day, punch out. You know, when you get your lunch, you punch out, punch in, take your breaks when you're supposed to, get in trouble if you go over by a minute or two, then drive that hour back and just enough time to see your family for a couple minutes and then go to bed. Like, I knew, I knew something in my spirit was like, uh uh, there's more to life than that. And so that book put into words what I had been feeling. So, anyway, so I tell my wife, hey, will you please read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? And she says, no. <laughs> and I'm like, please. She's like, I don't read business books. She's like into like, you know, fantasy or not fantasy, just like, you know, well, we could call it fantasy, J just like fiction in general, right? And I said, please read this book. It would mean a lot to me. She said, I, I just can't. I don't, I don't read books like that. I said, okay, I'll make a deal with you. I will read any book, any book you want me to read, no matter what it is. I will read it if you read this book, no matter how long it is, doesn't matter. I will read any book. And she said, any book? I said, any book. She said, okay. And she hands me, the like 500 page volume one of Twilight. You remember Bella and Edward and, uh, and not only the first book, but she requested that I read the entire series. You're so and she, lucky. And she, and, she, <laughs> and she would read Rich Dad, Poor Dad 
So the next month, I read all four. I think it's four now. Maybe there's five now, but the fifth one just came out. All four of the Twilight books. And she read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And she got it. She got the same... She got on the same train with me. Now, she didn't jump into the business right away necessarily, but she got what I was doing. She got in the mm-hmm. mindset. And that's where goal setting started with us, is getting her on the same page. Yeah. That was a long answer to a short question. It's, it's all good, man. By the way, how old are your kids now? Uh, Rosie's four. Wilder is just about one. He'll be one in a couple of weeks. So just a tip for you. Um, yeah. I started... Daphne is seven now, but when she was five, I started listening to Rich Dad, Poor Dad with her. Ah, nice. When we went to bed. And she literally would start requesting it. That's Daddy, can we listen to Rich Dad, Poor Dad? And some nights when I'm <laughs> I love her it. brother, she goes, Daddy, can you leave your phone so I can listen to Rich Dad, Poor Dad? But she actually gets it. I, um, I was leading a certification workshop for the people who are going, aren't trying to earn certification in the one thing. And we took a quick break. And when I came back upstairs, I heard my daughter screaming, quiz me, quiz me. And I walked into the room and she was sitting in front of the computer. Everybody was back. She was literally having them quiz her on the differences between assets and liabilities. That's funny. That's like somebody funny. said, so good. Barbie doll. And she went, liability, takes money <laughs> out of your pocket. Business, <laughs> asset, puts money in your pocket. And she was That's like so six good. at the time. I'm like, winning, winning. That's <laughs> so good. Yeah. I, I'm going to pay my children. If, they won't, if, they won't, if I can't convince them, I will trade with them. I will pay them. I will do anything it takes to get my kids on the, uh, on the financial independence, the financial freedom, the, the business train with books. Because I think... Just so you know what Gary did? What's Gary that? would pay his son's friends really? to read yeah. books. Because That's if cool. Gary asked John to do it, the answer was no. But if John's friends were reading the books... That's awesome. Yep. So there you go. But you, you got That's your it. value today. Yeah, um, there you go. So let's talk, about, let's talk about your journey of setting goals together. You are a goal setter. Heather, not a natural goal setter. Yep. Take us back to the first time that you wanted to set your goals together. How did you position it? Yeah. So this was probably like six years ago, I would guess. Six or seven years ago. Where I again I've been a goal setter. I write down, you know, what I want. Never that specifically and never that maybe the wrong like organized or formulaic. Like I didn't wasn't that organized. I was just kind of like, oh yeah, I'd really like to buy a few properties this year. Uh for example, I remember one year I wrote down, this is probably seven or eight years ago, I wrote down, I want to buy 12 units this year. I don't even know if I wrote it down. I think I wrote it down. But I, at the beginning of the year, a New Year's resolution, I'm going to buy 12 properties this year. 12 units, not properties, 12 units. At the end of the year, uh, I, it was like December 21st. And I found that like paper I had written on or whatever, just that somehow got reacquainted with this idea that I want to buy 12. Because I, again, I wasn't reviewing them regularly. I, wasn't, I didn't have a system very well at the time. And it said 12 units by the end of the year. And I counted it. I'm like, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. I was like, ah, oh, shoot, eleven. My goal was twelve. Well, I only have you know nine more days of like really. It was like seven more business days until the end of the year. Uh, and I was like, well, I guess you know, eleven's pretty good. Eleven, you know, eleven units. Most people would be really like, thrilled to have that. And then I remembered, like, I'm not somebody who gives up on goals. Like, if I set something, I'm going to work my tail off, even if there's only seven more actual business days in the year. Anyway, on December thirtieth of that year, I closed on unit number twelve. Uh, and so again, that was. That was kind of my goal setting philosophy. So I think it was even, it might have been that year um, because of going off that power of seeing what happens when you set goals and especially when you put like Parkinson's law into a goal, right? Parkinson's law is like work expands to fill the time you allot for it or you allow for it. So 
If I had a year to buy 12 units, I could do it in a year. If I had you know, a week to buy a property, guess what? You can do it in a week. Like it's, it's kind of ridiculous how well that works and how you can kind of hack your mind to do that. So anyway, so my wife and I, I say, Hey, honey, can we go out to the beach? She's like, oh, I love the beach. You know, of course we go out there a lot. It's fun. And I said, can we go out to this restaurant that, that was out there that we really liked? And she says, yeah, that sounds great. I'm like, can we sit down and work on our goals for the year at that restaurant? And she's like, wait, what? Like, that's not cool. <laughs> like, I, I, I was hoping for a date. I'm like, well, it is a date. Just let's just go out there and work on our goals for the year. And she's kind and she knows my mindset and she knows what I do. So she, she humored me. Uh, so we went out there for our first goal setting date. It was this place called Mill 109 out in Seabrook, Washington. It's a great place. It's still there today. Uh, and that became our tradition every year on usually on the 1st of January, sometimes on the 2nd or 3rd, depending on what we were doing on the 1st. We'd go out there for a full day, never a weekend, never a, a full mm. trip. Uh, but we'd go out there for the day and we'd sit down for as long as it took and we would review last year's goals and we'd write new ones for the year. Uh, and that's kind of how we started getting together on board. And that first year, I think, yeah, six years ago now, we're coming up on probably six years ago, uh, we wrote down uh, things like we wanted to live in. I wanted to own a house in Hawaii that had multiple units that people could come stay at. Uh, and I, at the time, I had no idea how we were going to do that. But together, we both thought that just sounds amazing. And then you know, three, that was a five-year goal. Three years later, we had bought a property in Hawaii that had multiple units that people can come stay with us. Uh, and that's just one example of the many different goals we've set over the years. Uh, but now, she looks forward to it probably more than I look forward to it. Uh, and it's changed a little bit with kids and we've got babies and all that. It's, it's had to... And we're not in Washington anymore, so we've had to alter it. But we still do it every single year. We do ourselves a little goal-setting date, uh, if not a multi-day retreat. So I love that's that. That's our that's our history. So a few questions. One, um, yeah. was that an invitation for me to come out? Of it's an invitation. You can even share my bedroom. I got a little little kitty bed next to my bed. You can hang out there. Rosie can sleep in her, you know, with her brother. It'll be great. Well, it only makes sense. I mean, you have that picture of me next to your bed. Yeah, it does make sense. Well, it's on the ceiling now. So it's like when I wake up, it's the first thing I see. <laughs> okay. All right. Shifting back. Welcome to traction. All right. You know, if I were to talk to Heather right now and ask her about what's become possible in your lives as a result of you forming this annual ritual, what do you think she'd say? I think she would say that it started as such a like, let's just humor Brandon. Like, I really think it was like, a, well, Brandon's into this kind of thing. Let's just do it because he wants to. And I'll trust him. Uh, and I don't think she thought much would come of it. But it's amazing when we look back every year, especially at like, like, she, like we don't accomplish all of them. We usually set, we probably set too many goals to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, we're ambitious people, so we probably set like you know five, six, seven goals each. But it's amazing we accomplish almost every one of them. And like, like I said, we don't have a great like. I wish every quarter we had a goal setting date that we went and reviewed our goals. We just haven't done that uh, as much as I know that we should. I do it personally. I do it with my team, like my real estate team, uh, but I don't do it with her necessarily. But even even with that, just making the goal at the, end of the year, beginning of the year, it's amazing how much we accomplish uh, and how much we decide to change the like the, the things we do to kind of hack our way into it without having to try. Example, uh, so early on. Like I would try to get her to think bigger with her goals because mm. I'm a big goal setter, right? It was like I, I'm I'm like we're gonna make a million dollars and we want to have a house in Hawaii and or, you know whatever it was, uh, and her goals would be like I wanna I wanna have a have a flower garden and I'm like oh come on think bigger than that and she's like no I I just want to have a flower garden and then it was I I want to drink more water and I'm like well you know that's that's a lame goal come on what do you want to do she's like I, I want to drink more drink more water. 
I'm like, oh, come on, think bigger. And she wants to drink more water. Uh, but I had to learn and realize that my ambitions and my big goals of trying to do these big, hairy, audacious goals or whatever they're called, that wasn't her. Like she had, she has a contentness with life that I don't, that I don't think I have. Where like, no matter what, I always want more. I'm just ambitious like that. I'm like, like I'm happy where I'm at, but I always want bigger and better stuff. Where she's like, no, I have an amazing life. I just would like to drink more water. I want to have a garden outside my window. I want to have you know these little things. So I've learned to lean into that with her, uh, and to let her decide her goals. Like I'm not giving her goals anymore. Like she gets to decide her own. Uh, this year we decided more date nights with each other. Uh, we we talked about more uh, whether it's date nights, more more dates with me and Rosie, where I take Rosie out alone. Uh, and COVID threw a big wrench in that, and it, it you know it slowed us down a little bit. Uh, but again, plans are what's it? Plans are useless. Planning is everything, and so we just. We alter it a little bit. We we make some amendments, and yeah, she loves it now. So, bottom line, she loves it. I love the story because you know every year when we gear up for our couples goal setting retreat, or this year the one that we're doing virtually, or the one for individuals and teams, the the number one objection is my significant other, if they have one, is not a goal setter. <laughs> and um, I just finished interviewing Gary for the virtual retreat. And I asked him about his relationship with Mary, his wife. And he goes, oh, heavens, no, she, she doesn't think at the same scale that he does. Um, she is not a goal setter. And he goes, you have to understand, I don't need her to be one. I don't need her to have yeah. my level of ambition. I don't need her to ha- be a goal setter. What I need her to do is to save me from myself. And he said that it took a while for him to realize the gift that was in front of him. Because in our relationships, opposites attract, but by very definition of that, it does inherently create friction. And you get to that space in the marriage where you're just going, why aren't they more like me? When if you just change the way that you look at it, the things that create conflict might actually create the connection. Like on your show, when we did that live coaching with that couple, we're like, yeah, there was conflict because of their core values. But all of a sudden, we just shift the, the, the way they looked at it. It's all of a sudden, it's like, oh, that's actually a source of connection. Yeah, that's cool. So... One of the other things that we were where we were talking about was the way he views goals, and he always said the purpose of a goal is not actually to achieve the result itself. It's it's to be appropriate in the moment. The goal should be so big that it should inform how you have to behave today and require that you stretch, grow, and evolve who you are as a person to earn the right to achieve that goal. How has this shown up in your life? Oh, dude, that's such a good question. There's a guy named Jefferson Jefferson Bethke. He's a uh, online influencer that I follow on Instagram. And he last year he had this great quote. And I'm gonna probably butcher it, but it, he basically said, "Rather than setting goals on what you want to do, why not try setting goals on who you want to be, uh, who you want to become?" And I remember just thinking, reading that on his Instagram, thinking, "Oh, that's so good! Like, like I want to do this. I want to be at this weight." So I asked myself, who do I want to be? What do I want my identity to become? What do, what do I want to be known for? I think that's a powerful question to ask yourself is what do you want to be known for? Mm. Uh, and and it's, it's an identity question. And so when I asked that question, what do I want to be known for? What do I want to know myself for? Uh, what kind of person I want to be? I said, I want to be somebody who works out every day. And I say that because it's a difference between somebody who there are people who have a certain weight or can lift a certain amount or whatever, right? That's a that's a goal that you do. Like something you do, I I work, you know, I, I'm gonna go and lose 20 pounds. I'm okay with those goals, nothing wrong with those goals. But I thought 
when I admire in people, when I see other people, what I admire in people who are in shape are the people who just like, that's their identity. They work out every day. They just go to the gym. A buddy of mine named Steve Rosenberg. Like he's, it's just part of his life. Every single day he goes to the gym and it, and it shows. He looks like a guy that works out every day. I mean, he's not like, you know, he's not like the rock, but he's just like, he's a, he's an in shape, good looking dude. And I'm like, I would like to become somebody. My identity, I want to be somebody who exercises every day. Uh, or at least, you know, pretty much every day. I don't mind the, the occasional, you know, cheat day or day off. So I said, to accomplish that, to become that identity now, I have to get into the habit of that. And I was not in the habit. I'm in the habit of saying, I'm going to work out two times a week or whatever the number mm. is. And then I check it off on a thing. But I want it to become my identity. I work out every day. That's just, it's just a thing that I do, right? So I set a goal that I was going to work out 300 times in 2020. So on January 1st of 2020, I said, I'm going to work out 300 times this year. And I jumped out there. I started journaling it every day. I started putting actually every workout on my Instagram. I'd say today was day one of one, you know, one of 300, two of 300, three of 300. I did that all the way up to about 100 or so. And then I kind of scaled back to like once a week on my Instagram. Mm -hmm. I scaled back to like a couple of times, you know, like I, I would report it once in a while. And then I didn't have as much accountability. So I started slacking. And then COVID happened, right? And everything shut down. Now I was just getting into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I had, I had been hurt, hearing about it and I thought that sounded really fun. So I started using that for my daily workout. I'd do it like three times a week. I'd go to the jujitsu or maybe twice a week. And, and I'd go and I really liked it. And then COVID shut down everything. And I'm like, ah, I guess I can't do uh, Brazilian jujitsu anymore. So I just stopped that. And I, I would run a little bit and I'd work out. But uh, he, he, we get to mid-July and then into August. And I start adding up the numbers on how many times I've worked out in the year. And I realized that I cannot finish the year uh, successfully, I cannot hit my goal. Like, there's just too many uh, days or too many days I needed to hit and not enough days in the year. And I'm like, well, you know, just like a few years ago, right? Yeah, I did pretty good. You know, if I just get back on track, I might miss it by 50 or whatever. But yeah, I did, I did really good. I, I'm proud of myself. And then I remembered I'm not somebody who easily gives up on goals. If there's still time left in the year, how do I get this done? The most powerful word in the English lang language, I think, is how, like changing the perspective of like, can I or can't I? It's how. And I was like, man, in order to do that, I'd have to work out twice a day. I'd have to work out twice a day for like 70 days. I did the math. I'd have to work out twice a day for like 70 days in a row. And then I started listening, I listened to a podcast from this guy named Andy Frisella, who's got a big podcast, mm -hmm. right? And he is talking about this program he's got called 75 Hard. And 75 Hard yeah. is you work out twice a day for 75 days. And I'm like, there's zero. I'd heard about it before a little bit, but I, I just, zero chance I'm going to put my body through that kind of hell, right? But then I remembered I'm not somebody who gives up on goals that easily. And so I started and today I'm on day like 68 or something like that out of 75. And I will actually in like, I'll actually probably hit 310, maybe 315 days of working out this year, all because I like, I took that massive action needed to correct on my goal. I correct course along the way. Now, if I would have been tracking that more regularly, I don't think I would ever got behind. But when I let my, mm -hmm. yeah, when you let your goals kind of go and you don't review them regularly and I let it go for a month or two. And furthermore, I let COVID, an outside thing, affect my ability to accomplish my goals. And it, you, interesting story, jujitsu shut me down, right? I was like, the, the COVID shut down jujitsu and so I just stopped doing it. Uh, and then, this is mid-July. I'm talking to a buddy of mine who was also in the beginning getting excited about jujitsu. And he says, yeah, well, you should come over on Saturday. Jerry's going to come over. And I said, well, who's Jerry? I said, he said, oh, Jerry's my private uh, jujitsu instructor. And I said, you're what? He goes, yeah, when COVID shut everything down, I just hired a guy from the gym to come over, a black belt there who's an instructor 
to come to my house to, to train me. And I was like, my mind was blown because I realized that what Eric did, my buddy Eric, he didn't let COVID shut him down. He asked the question, how do I train anyway, despite the gym being shut down? And I let COVID knock me off all my goals. And so mm-hmm. that was such a powerful like, you know, like moment because I realized that I, I mean, I'm the guy that teaches this stuff, right? But I still, I let outside forces, outside circumstances change my internal drive and my goals and my plans. And I was like, fine, like that, I'm done with it. So anyway, now I work out three times a week with Jerry. In fact, we do, we do an hour to an hour and a half of jujitsu. And then immediately we stop that. And then we go into an hour to an hour and a half of lifting with heavy weights. And uh, so I'll do two and a half to three hours now, three times a week with Jerry. And it's amazing. It's awesome. Uh, so there, there's a few lessons in there, but... It, well, I want to call those out because yeah. there, there's a few things. One, if I could only call out one, it's the importance of your identity. Yeah, This has come up several times in this conversation. I am not the type of person who gives up on a goal. There is something in your mindset that you believe you are not the person who gives up on your goal. And I actually think that's massively important. Um, did I connect you with BJ Fogg yet? I don't think so. Dude, You're on a book, right? Yeah. He's like one of the yeah. world's... Leading authorities on behavior change, but he talks yes, yes, about yes, yes. he talks about the importance of identity when you want to change actions and habits. So that is huge, right there. That alone, and then the second is that relationship with the goal. Like you said, um, had you been tracking it, had you been sitting down and dating it on a more regular basis, you would have yep. seen the gap and you would have changed your behavior. And this is one yep. of the biggest opportunities for people is they set the goal and they go, cool, that's my goal. But they don't have the relationship with it. Yep. Whereas you know, when you met Heather, there was that moment where you went, you realized there was something amazing about her and there was that you dreamt of a future. And how ridiculous would it have been if in that moment, Brandon, you had said, you know what, Heather, you are really special. I could see an amazing life together. So here's what I propose. I'm a big thinker. Let's get together in a year and see how it's going. Yep. Right? Ridiculous. Yep. You went on dates. In between dates, you communicate. In between communications, you thought about her. When things are going great, you thought bigger. When things are off track, you changed your behavior. Same thing with your goals. It's exactly what you're doing right now. So if I can only point out one thing, it's the identity. If I can point out the second thing, it's having the relationship with your goals. Yeah. While you were talking about that, I started looking at, at my numbers for exercise. Yeah. My, goal was, my goal was 250 for this year. I'm at 217 right now. So I am on track, mm-hmm. but I already started doing the math on how many, how would I have to make 300 happen so that I could beat you? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll get twice a day. <laughs> I'm not the type of person who cares about beating Brandon Turner. So okay, good. I will not become a goal of mine. Yeah, it is. It is fascinating. Those like I, I've I've often heard it said like the most like the most powerful thing in the world is the words that follow "I am." Right? Like I mm. am not somebody who avoid misses goals. I am uh, I am somebody who works out every day. Like those are identity topics. Yeah. Uh, and and if if your identity is somebody like if if you this is something I've, I've been thinking a lot about lately. If you are somebody okay lying to yourself, you're going to struggle in every area of your life. If you're okay lying to yourself, and what I mean by that is you set, I'm going to get up tomorrow at 6 a.m. Mm. and you don't do it. It's a small little thing, but discipline starts with the little things. Discipline starts with the what time you're going to wake up. You're going to take your wife on a date. Did you actually do it? Like it, 
it's how you do anything. It's how you do everything. If you are somebody who lies to yourself on the little things, you're going to lie to yourself on the big things as well. Uh, and so like for, forming an identity that says, I do not lie to myself. Now, I might try my hardest and still fail at something. You know, I might, you know, if I got hit by a bus, I might end up in a hospital. But I guarantee you, I'd still be wheeling around the hospital or whatever I have to do. I'd be doing hand pump things to do workouts, right? Because like, I didn't define what the workout was. But I am not somebody who lets my goals go. And if you can just become a person who is a man or woman of your word and not to other people, obviously that's important, but more importantly to yourself, mm. uh, you can accomplish anything in life. But it comes with that's the integrity. It's, it's this do you lie to yourself or not? I love that. I love that. Um, question for you. You're, you're yeah. joining us. You and Heather are joining us this year for the virtual retreat. Yes. Why are you coming? Mm, good question. Uh, I am coming because we, Heather and I, are good at setting goals. We are not great at setting goals. I, again, it's the word I'm looking for. I'm not sure. It's like structured. I'm looking for like purposeful a little bit, approach. Yeah, purposeful approach. There you go. That's a great way to put it. Uh, versus like, well, what what do you want? I don't know. But like, people are always asking me. In fact, the most popular post I put on my Instagram every year is my wife and I take a selfie in at a restaurant wherever we're at doing our goal setting. We say, "Here we are together doing our goal setting," and everyone loves it. It gets more clicks and views and likes and comments than anything else I do all year long. It resonates with people, uh, and I love that. And that shows the power of what you're doing, right? Because people need this. They know they need it. Like in their soul, you are putting words. To a groaning in their spirit, the same way Rich Dad Poor Dad did it, the one thing did it for me as well. Uh, and then what you're doing with the goal setting retreat, it, it does the same thing. But then everyone asks me, "Can you tell me exactly what you guys do? Walk me through your process." And every time I'm like, "I, I don't, I don't know. We we just talk and we kind of I ask her what she wants to do." And last year there was like a baby crying on the, on, you know, like like you know that was a month old. Wow, there was a month old. He's like crying on the floor and like it was complicated. Uh, and so I'm looking for more structure, more purpose to our goal setting. Something that'll help us, I think, the next 5, 10, 20 years of our life. And here's, here's the thing that I think is worth pointing out. Um, usually, we bring people on this show who have already purposefully been living the one thing and gotten results. I think here, the, 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 the thing that I'm hearing is you and Heather started the annual ritual. You didn't have to have the entire process buttoned up and internalized and followed step by step. What you needed was a date yep. on the calendar where the kids were taken care of, where you guys could go to that cafe, sit down, order your food, and start talking about your goals. And by making that an annual ritual, it has grown. Your relationship together has grown. Your life has gotten bigger. You've figured out how to support each other better. And you've earned the right to ask, how can we be more purposeful? Yeah, you know, there's a... there's a, I can't remember where I first heard this, but there's this story about Stephen King's pencil. Have you heard this? I think it's a great, so. Yeah, it's, it's in some book I'm sure you've read and, and I've read. I, it basically says, whenever Stephen King gives a speech, at like a college or whatever. People ask a lot of questions about how he writes and what he does. And inevitably, at some point, there's this joke that comes up. Somebody asks him what pencil he uses. Because what people always wanted, they want this really specific, like, I want to know exactly what you're doing. Does, does the pencil he used matter? Does it's a number three pencil or number two? I don't know if that's a thing. It doesn't matter as much as the act that he sits down and writes. So like, I, I now right now, I'm coming to the goal setting retreat because I want to know what pencil that you use 
and that Jay uses and that Gary uses and that other high successful people use. But it's more important. <laughs> there you go. It's more important to sit down and write. Like that's the that's the most. So even if all you can do at the beginning is sit down with your spouse, that's great. But if you can get more detailed and and, and really dig in, I think it'll be much more powerful. I think I'll get much more out of it by attending the goal setting retreat. So that's why we're doing it. But in the beginning, like yeah, it's more important just to start somewhere than to try to do it perfect at the beginning. I love that. I love that, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Where where can people learn more about you? Uh, I am like a 13-year-old girl. So you can find me on Instagram. That's where I spend all my time. (laughs) Beardy Brandon. Beard with a Y. Seriously? That's your handle? That's my handle. Beardy Brandon. What happens if you shave the beard? Beardless Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Um, And for those of you, if, if as you set your goals this year, if... In the financial circle, if building wealth is something that's important to you and you specifically have an interest in real estate, um, I personally listen to the Bigger Pockets podcast and, and love everything that you guys are doing. So you can check them out. Thank you. Well, there you have it our conversation with Brandon Turner, co host of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Folks, there's a lot of wisdom in this episode if you're willing to listen to it. The path to getting everything you want starts by getting one thing at a time. And if you want to live a life of extraordinary results, we have to follow those three commitments. You heard it with Brandon in terms of this path of mastery saying, hey, look, this is what we've achieved over the last seven years since we've gone on these retreats together. And he recognizes that that carries a ceiling of achievement. And this is the year for him to invest in a purposeful approach the approach that we bring in our goal-setting retreat. The first is following that path of mastery, looking at all he and Heather have been able to achieve over the last seven years and acknowledge where are we strong and who have we yet to become and how can they go on the road to mastering those things. I can tell he is committed to mastering the art and science of setting goals. The second is moving from E to P. The last seven years, they have been entrepreneurial in their goal-setting approach, and it has yielded results. And as somebody who wants big things out of life, he recognizes that there is another level. And this year is the time for him to get purposeful with their approach, which is why he and Heather joined us at our couple's goal-setting retreat that we facilitated virtually, which if you are still interested, there is still time. The recordings are available and will be available for the rest of the year, which you can check out at theonething.com slash setmygoals. And finally is the accountability cycle. I just loved his stories of how when he realized, you know what? I got 11 deals out of 12, but I got seven days left. He was accountable. He's the type of person who achieves his goals and he figured out a way to get to unit number 12. And this year with his health goal, even when he's fallen so far behind, he's asking, well, what's the one thing I can do? I can start working out twice a day. And I believe he will hit that goal. This is what's required. Follow the path of mastery. When it matters, move out of entrepreneurial land and get into a purposeful approach. And three, live the accountability cycle. If this episode has brought value to you, who's somebody you know that needs to hear it? Would you be willing to actually invest the time to share it with them? It could make a huge difference. 
And if you are not yet subscribed to the One Thing Podcast, click that button on your device so all future episodes are automatically downloaded because we got a lot more coming your way to help you have that relationship with your goals. And finally, if you have not yet done this, please leave us a rating and review. It genuinely helps us, one, get your feedback, and two, it helps us reach more people and fulfill our purpose, which is to help you better invest your time so you can achieve extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.